Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Afternoon, folks. It's the one and only V the Girl Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning. We have with us the one and only Crypto Cowboy. He's a Crypto Cowboy. And we have the man of the hour, CJ, who's working the airways, making sure the uh, this broadcast coming out crispy and clean. You know what I mean. Check us out, roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcasting app known to humanity. And also check out our paid sponsors, MyCBDEdibles.com. MyCBDEdibles.com for all your CBD edible goodness. And see, just any specials going on? Yeah, so so working with some other companies, uh, looking at um, bringing in different types of uh, infused uh, products. There's some pretty creative stuff out there. Uh, so we're hoping to, to get that formalized, get those on the site. So so stay tuned. Um, some pretty, pretty cool stuff uh, coming coming out of, of what some of the people are creating, different topicals, uh, everything from uh, shampoos, some other stuff that's uh, pretty cool that's uh, helping people. So so just uh, just hold tight. Those will be out soon. And check out NeuroTrackerX.com, NeuroTrackerX.com. Train your brain, get some gains, keep your mind sharp and focused. Don't be like Joe Biden or John Fetterman. <laughs> <laughs> 1986 football, Doc Rose. Don't be like those guys. Baby uh, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NeuroTrackerX.com, NeuroTrackerX.com. You can join. Or we also have a link, uh, NeuroTracker uh, forward slash Rogue. The dinks, ring, the dinks. The links are in the description box. You can resell or sell NeuroTracker to businesses, doctors, clinics, and things of that sort. Uh, pretty amazing, extremely well researched, lots of studies, patented technology, next generation technology. And I love it. And with that being said, Cowboy CJ, good morning. Welcome to election season, guys. Did you guys know about the election season? It says Buenos Dias. Yeah, Buenos Dias. You know me as the man who can't count, you know, because the election's going on and we don't know how to count because one plus one is racist, bro. Yeah, one plus one calculus. That's all uh, trying that's to what... trying to hold the the marginalized communities down. Yeah, exactly. We should, right. uh, we should actually erase Archimedes and you know all of his ilk from the uh, from the books. Yeah, see, get that, rid of I mean, Euclid while we're at it. Say again. We should what? 
I say get rid of Euclid while we're at it. Euclid, Archimedes, these are, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. But I'm more interested in, in Mar- CJ, as what do you think we should do with marginalized communities and, and their attitude towards voting? And we're going to get into the, into the market and stuff real soon. But we should I tell just, them that uh, voting is racist. Yes. Do you agree with that, Siege? Voting is racist. It, it just, it just, you know, it's it's one of those things of white supremacy um, that I've yes. never truly understood. That um, it's it's um, it just goes back to white privilege. It really does. I, I like to voting. think it, it has to do with the patriarchy. You know. Yeah, voting for voting for Democrats is racist and toxically male. Yeah, it is. I agree with that. Je- uh, cowboy. Let's get into it. I, I wanted to touch base on some on, on some juicy bits of information, but I've been told to hold off until December. Uh, I don't know when December, but December, probably the first week or so. So, unfortunately, I can't say what I was supposed to say. So, I'll have to go chime back and forth with you, Cowboy. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I did. Uh, I prepared for today based on you doing that part. However, um, I have enough content for like two shows. Perfect. So, uh, and we're going to, you know, the last three or four weeks, we've been just looking at the, basically the plumbing, the inner working of how the financial system works, money, how it's created, um, how, uh, the quantitative easing caused inflation, uh, the relationship between commercial banks and the fed and non-banks, why pension funds are at the risk of going under, you know, we've gone all through all of those and all of those shows are available over on rumble. So, you know, there's going to be, as the weeks go on, I'm just going to say, Hey, there's no time to talk about this concept. Go back to rumble, you know, and take a look. So we're that that's kind of how that's going to go with these series. But instead of really delving heavy into what I wanted to go into today, which was, we're going to talk about the bank for international settlements. Um, And I know uh, I've been looking into this kind of detail for a while. Um, I know Celeste kind of reminded me that I needed to kind of go back into that so we could educate everybody on it. Um, But we actually have more breaking news uh, to talk about because cryptocurrency is experiencing a little bit of a blow up. Um, And we're actually looking into this guy, scam bankrupt fraud. I mean, Sam Bankman fried. Um, (laughs) What do we what do we have here? What are we? What video are we looking at here? Well, Raven Six Philadelphia talk- zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raven Six was talking about uh, uh, America is going to look like Kensington Avenue, and I wanted to play that. And that's where you see people just like in a state of of stupor, just like frozen like zombies. The most craziest thing in the world, man. It's insane, it really. Is. I mean, so the way I'm looking at what could happen to us without talking about. Without getting into in, getting into details, but from like the from the outside in, pretend that I don't know anything about anything, and I'm just observing the future. What I think will happen is towards the end of the decade, there's going to be yeah, we're going to look at that article by the way um, that CJ just put up. So towards the end of the decade, yeah, I think uh, we've been talking about this for a while. We've given all of our reasons. Go to the past shows and Rumble, but V and I do believe that there's going to be another run up. Um, we actually saw a hint of that today. Um, and that I'm going to go ahead and bring this up here. I'm going to do a screen share. The CPI print was actually pretty comparatively tame. It was a positive print, but what it was, was below expectations. So whenever, whenever the data comes out 
less than or lower than expectations, then that tends to mean, um, let's see here, entire screen window. That tends to mean that it's going to go in the opposite of expectations. And what I mean by that is, okay, so if, if inflation is high, then the Fed is going to have to react with the only tool that they do have. And what that means is they're going to have to raise the interest rates to try to quote unquote fight inflation. It's a blunt object, kind of works, you know, in, in a sense. It's also good that it's a blunt object in a way because it allows the rest of the market to adjust on its own. But, you know, we're not going to get too far into that mechanism. That's just what happens. So the CPI print today came in lower than expected, meaning that inflation came in at less than what is expected. And so what that means is that the Fed would react by raising rates if it was above inspected, or at least the odds of raising rates are higher. Well, because it came in lower than expected, that means that the odds of raising rates are lower. And the screen that I just shared, I think we still have to actually share that for everybody to see. Um, it actually does show a couple of charts on there. Um, in particular, this chart that I'm going to blow up here a little bit. So there's something called the terminal Fed rate. And what that means is that the Fed has calculated, okay, so you know, in order to fight inflation, we think that we need the rate to be, say, 5% or four, you know, 480 or whatever percent they think they need to kind of stop hiking. So once the Fed funds rate is at, you know, let's just say they determine terminal rate to be 510, 5.1, 510 basis points. If, if they think that's the rate they need to have it at to stave off inflation, then that's their terminal rate, but they're not going to go all the way up there at once because that's just too drastic. They need to step it up because as they step it up slowly, they're going to reevaluate based on how things come out. And how things come out is going to be measured in many ways. And the most important way is going to be CPI. So if they hike the rates, CPI all of a sudden begins to drop a little bit, then they're going to reevaluate and say, hey, maybe we don't have to go to 510. Maybe we can go to 490. And this is the chart that you're looking at right now. So um, let me see if I can get the source on that chart. It's off of zero hedge, but usually these charts have... Um, there's, it's not a labeled chart, unfortunately, so I'm not sure who's who this data came from, but this is on the Zero Hedge article anyway. So terminal Fed rate was at about 5%, but after CPI came out lower than expected, you can see they dropped it by 30 basis points or more um, as an estimate, right? That's just expectations. Now it's below 4.8. So anytime that the terminal rate expectation goes down, that means, oh, okay, well, we're not going to end up hiking rates as high in the future, meaning that we can also stop hiking them as quickly so we can come and meet that rate more slowly. So if inflation's um, acceleration is slowing, then the rate cut accelerations can slow. Now in expectation of this, um, or in reaction to this, I should say, the markets went ahead and rallied, right? So this was a kind of a, the first time we've seen where inflation has come in below expectations because it's been pretty much above expectation or pretty much at, but almost always above expectation the past several months. Hence, we have the, the rate hikes every month. Hence, we have the market taking a fat dump when that happens. Well, now we have the opposite. The, the inflation has come in lower than expected. Now we're seeing more dovish um, estimations. We haven't heard talk from the Fed yet because the Fed doesn't, you know, they talk, they talk too often as far as I'm concerned, but uh, you know, they only speak 
I think we'll have probably Fed minutes next week, but the Fed's reaction to this CPI is not going to happen until next month. So right now we're just kind of like speculating. Um, now, when the Fed made their announcement last week, and we covered this, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but what the Fed said was, okay, we're not going to, you know, first they said, okay, what we do in the future is going to be data dependent, right? And then all of a sudden the market just went up really high and everybody was happy. And then Powell came in and threw water on that and just said, oh, well, you know, we're, we're not going to stop hawking anytime soon. And he made some very, very hawkish comments, right? So dovish means like, hey, we're going to loosen up. We're going to start printing money again. We're going to lower our rates. Hawkish is we're going to hike the rates. We're not going to print as much money. Like that's hawkish. Now the Fed's kind of all talk. Last week we did a pretty extensive um, illustration based on actual Fed data. And they're talking about winding down the balance sheet, but they have barely done that at all. They've wound it down a, a minuscule amount compared compared to what they've been doing the last several years on the balance sheet. So, you know, th that's a lot of lip service. And I think right now the Fed, yeah, okay, so they've been hiking rates. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, well, we've got to go back to the Volcker days. You know, we got to hike up, you know, 5, 10%, 20, 15. So there's an issue with that. Okay, so Jerome Powell, I think, considers himself a protege of Volcker. Volcker in the early 80s came in, and when inflation from the 1970s was really ramping up, he went ahead and just raised the rates really high. Um, but it's a different world. You, you know, hiking 5, 10, 20, you know, 15%, it's a little different now because the world and, and the money supply and everything is so inelastic. Um, you know, in a sense, it's inelastic. Uh, I don't want to say it's inelastic because actually in another way, it's quite elastic. But um, what I mean by that is the balloon has been blown up right much, much closer to the point where it's going to pop. Like, if you you know when you're when you blow blow a balloon up not too much you can kind of even almost poke it with a needle a little bit it might not pop you know it's like less likely to pop um, but when you have that balloon blown up really really like completely full then it's just the slightest thing will pop it and we're a lot closer to that slightest thing will pop it than we were in the 80s and that has to do with leverage um, there are probably several orders of magnitude more leverage than there were in the 80s. And an order of magnitude is times 10. So a second order of magnitude is times 100. And I think we're even beyond that. There are anywhere between two and four quadrillion dollars out there, um, you know, in in derivatives. So, you know, I mean, I think they're, uh, well, I mean, just our country alone is, uh, realistically, we're much less, but I think officially we're like a, I don't know, $20 trillion economy or something like that. Um, and there's quadrillions of dollars of derivatives out there. So long story short, there's just so much fake money out there and people are borrowing so much money to finance their betting, their casino betting at this point. It's not even investing anymore. It's just betting that when that needle hits the balloon, there's, there is no real economy to back that up, right? So because of that, hiking... 10 and 15% like Volcker did in the 80s, my theory is that that can't be done anymore because everything starts to rattle and we're seeing it. We're seeing the pensions in uh, the UK falling apart. They, the Bank of England had to intervene and start their quantitative easing again. We saw it with Bank of Japan. I think we saw it elsewhere. I'm just not thinking of where it is right now. Um, you know, China's having trouble. So uh, again, we're. I think that we've seen the worst of it for now. I think there's going to be more blood. I don't think that the stock market's just going to start going up, although it could. Um, but I, you know, the the 
prognosis, and again, none of this is investment advice, consult a licensed investment advisor before risking your money on markets because you can lose your money. Um, but we here think, and it's just our opinion, do your own research, that we're going to start seeing the rates start to get cut again. Maybe sometime next year, mid to late year, we're going to see the rates uh, hiking cease sometime earlier next year, maybe like mid-year or quarter two, quarter one, maybe, um, and even cease and even start being cut. And we think that the market's going to start going up. Maybe um, I'm guessing halfway through next year, we'll have already seen the bottom and it's just going to be like a kind of an early spring. And then, you know, come this time next year, I think we're going to start seeing the market heading back up. I think that V, whatever information he's not allowed to talk about is actually going to be related to that. I think the fact that he can't talk about it until December should tell you an awful lot. Um, you know, if I were just to take a, a, a swiping guess at it, because when, people have information that uh, it's not, you know, it's not inside information. It's just really high level economic uh, looks at things. Right. And it's, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. It might be proprietary. It might be, but we're, you know, none of it is insider trading. Right. But when you have that high level information, which is very valuable and you have a timeline on which you can release it, then a lot's going to happen before that time. So my guess is that the bottom is probably going to be I would. I was thinking January, February, maybe March, because uh, I'm kind of looking at it from that point of view. But if we can't talk until December, perhaps that means that the bottom is either in or near. I don't think it's in yet. I think we might see a big meltdown, but there's like no way to know. Okay, so that's the high level look. And again, V and I don't talk before these shows. So this December conversation is not something we have talked about. It's just my own guess. Um, and that's just based on the way information is usually shared. So, you know, that's that for the, uh, for the macro right now. Um, one thing I want to remind people about is when you're trading, if you're a trader like I am, um, I'm going to go ahead and show what happens when you're greedy. Where is this here? Okay. So, well, okay. <laughs> Let's say I'm going to show what happens when the, uh, the powers that be are greedy, right? So let me see. This is uh, the wrong time frame. That big. We're looking at the uh, the dollar Swiss, right? And so everything right now is being looked at in terms of the dollar because the um, you know the dollar for all the reasons that we've all talked about, right? I don't want to get too far into it, but everything's compared against the dollar, and monetary policy in the United States directly affects the dollar in the ways that I just described ad nauseum. So let's just say like you're in a trade, like last night I was, I was in a trade and I was a small trade. So I kept it on. I should have taken it off because I don't normally trade on CPI print, but my trade basically looked like I, I went short and I, and I, you know, just according to my algorithm, um, a good stop loss. Let me see. I think I went short right about here. A good stop loss is right about here based on, and it would have been mine and a lot of people stop loss. You know, I was, I was aggressive. I could have been safer. And so that's what my trade looked like. And what that means, what you're looking at on the screen is that I entered where this blue means I'm losing money. The green means I'm making money. I entered right at where the blue meets the green, right at this line. If price went above the blue box, then I'm out of the trade and I've lost, you know, whatever money I put in. If price makes it to the bottom of that box, then I've made whatever that money is. And price actually went and took me out. And I expected 
today's CPI print to be soft. This is this was my prediction. I've shared that with some people. It was something I kept to myself a little bit. But basically, price in anticipation of this, unexpectedly, against my algorithm, which my algorithm is pretty sound, went up, knocked me out, and then really went down. I was expecting it to maybe go up a little bit and head down, but I thought I was protected. I wasn't protected well enough. And to go above way up here with my stop loss means that I'm cutting into my profit now because my risk to reward ratio is not what I like. So I should have taken the trade off. It wasn't a big trade. It was a risky trade, but understand this is what they do. They cheat. They know people's stops are here. The, the people who have the Bloomberg terminals and everything else who can afford the $20,000 a month understand that the stop losses are right there. The liquidity is there. The crypto market, I actually have visibility into this because I have really good tools. And we're going to talk a little bit about crypto today because that's the main story. But just so you understand, this is why you don't trade on days of big economic data announcements because everybody goes in, everybody puts their stop probably where I had mine and it gets knocked out. And it's it's done on purpose. It's not legal. But what they do is they use the news as carte blanche to basically screw you over because, oh, well, we weren't pushing price around. It just had to do with traders in the news. Well, that's not true at all. But that's okay. That's trading. Am I upset? Not really. This is just part of the game. It's the price that you pay. Um, you know, you got to pay to play. And I didn't follow my own rules. And my own rules are not to trade on days like that. But I was like, hey, maybe it'll just go my way. And it's not a big trade. And, you know, so I lost a portion of a car payment. It wasn't a big deal. Um, so that's that. Um, now, the big story right now has to do with uh, FTX and crypto. And we're hearing certain stories as to why FTX is having a problem. Um, but first, I'm going to get a little bit of background on FTX, right? FTX is an exchange. Uh, it's an exchange that was created by a guy named Sam Bankman Freed. And now we are calling him Scam Bankrupt Fraud because basically uh, he went insolvent, right? So, as. <laughs> This was something like there's a stadium that FTX has their name on. I mean, this guy came out of nowhere, right? He made a bunch of money. Um, I don't know, a few million dollars. I want to say it's 16 million, but I'd have to look back in his history and what he's claiming um, on what's called the kimchi premium. Okay. So back when I started in crypto in 2017, um, I actually made my money in arbitrage, but I made my money by developing a spread arbitrage algo. Um, so basically... I was making money on a certain exchange that had a technical deficiency that allowed me to exploit that deficiency. And, um, you know, I, it was something that I just, I didn't even know anything about order books. I just was, I got, I was so hungry. I got so into it. It became a magnificent obsession. And without even understanding the terms spread or algo or things like that, I had to develop that bot. Well, arbitrage is basically a way of like, you can buy something. Uh, let's let's take arbitrage and, and break it down into a way that all of us can understand, right? So uh, you have three grocery stores. And in this area, in this world, you can be a buyer or a seller. You can sell to the grocery store or you can buy from the grocery store. And uh, store number one has apples at a dollar a pound. Store number two has them at a dollar fifty a pound, right? So let's just limit it to two stores. So you buy from store number one at a dollar a pound and you go to store number two and you sell at a dollar fifty and you're making 50 cents on the dollar for every apple 
well, the spreads are usually closer to like 10% if you're doing really well. I was making buku bucks on about 2%. Um, yeah, Hobo said it. FTX Arena in Miami, Florida. Uh, Miami Heat uh, NBA team plays. So that's where FTX Arena is. Um, so anyway, arbitrage was where I was doing it on the spread, but I was I made a lot of money making 2% just several times a day. Um, and that uh, loophole, if you will, or that technical deficiency was actually closed. And that's a long story. We're not going to get into that. But what Sam Bankman-Fried was doing was he was making money where, and I actually was involved with some guys that made a lot of money doing this. Specifically in 2017, Korea had a really high premium on Bitcoin, but people weren't able to capitalize on that because you couldn't uh, work with Korean exchanges unless you could identify, you know, you had to do like their version of KYC. So, you know, okay, if I could KYC there, what I could do is I could, you know, buy Bitcoin for at that time, you know, $1,200 and I could sell it for $1,400 or maybe, you know, $1,350 and I could do it all day long and I could do it at the speed of Bitcoin transfers. So, um, but I couldn't KYC on Korean exchanges and I personally was, I had a better deal. I had a better game than that anyway. But, um, what Sam Bankman free did was he had somebody over in Korea. So he was able to actually make that and just do it over and over and over. And he made a few million dollars doing that. So supposedly this guy who did something that's not that impressive, um, you know, I mean, I did it not knowing anything. So I'm not, I'm not impressed by arbitrage. I mean, it's all you need is a relationship and the will. But um, he went ahead, made himself a few million and developed the FTX exchange. Now, the FTX exchange is a derivatives exchange on a similar model to Binance. Binance, which we all know and love, has two separate exchanges. There's a US regulated exchange and then there's an international exchange. Way back when you could get on Binance, you didn't have to identify yourself, all that stuff. And for a while, you could even use Binance um, by it without identifying yourself as long as you weren't geo-blocked. Um, and that means people would do like a lot of people do in China and they use a VPN to change their IP address so that, you know, whatever website they're going to thinks they're from some other country. And that's actually a pretty common thing to do. Um, but Binance even stopped doing that. They, you know, after 2020, 2019, 2018, around about that time, um, they started actually making people KYC. So, you know, and your the accounts that were not KY or the count the KYC accounts that were US citizens were, you know, asked to go to Binance US. There's no derivatives on Binance US. Um, however, FTX went ahead and mimicked that model. And the big question, and we're digging into this, we're gonna try to get some more information on this guy and where he got his backing. Because if you even look at this guy, he's a tool. The guy's a tool. Also, I'll bring up a picture like shortly. Um, you know, yeah, he made some pretty bold moves, but like, think about it this way. Uh, when you go into a fight and Mike Tyson's behind you, then you get pretty brave. And I'm pretty sure he had Mike Tyson of the financial world behind him. So, you know, because this guy, he's just some kid, Ivy League. He was born on Stanford campus. His parents are both Ivy League alumni. And if you know anything about Ivy League schools, they're basically a babysitter for rich kids. You know, you get the occasional person who, you know, isn't rich that makes their way into it and they have to find some way to finance it. Um, you know, so basically, uh, but most of the time, like these Ivy League schools, the whole idea of going there is to quote unquote make connections, right? So this guy somehow ended up parlaying this few million dollars that he had 
into creating FTX. And then FTX ended up, and I have the history right here on the screen of, of its funding. At one point, the uh, valuation ended up at $32 billion, as it says at the bottom of the screen here. And I'll, I'm going to blow this up so we can actually read it a little bit better. Um, you know, so we, we do have some of the history of, of FTX's funding. Um, but they, I mean, so the problem with FTX was that their token was basically like, didn't, it was basically worthless, right? And I have some diagrams I can really quickly show you what happened, but FTX ended up getting funding from like, as it shows here, uh, like the, I think the Ontario Teachers Union bought stop, you know, bought uh, equity. Uh, here's a whole list, BlackRock, Sequoia, who lost, I think, 50% of their whole value. No, it's Tiger. It's I the who's who of woke capital. Love Van it. Eck, uh, Ribbit, Circle. Circle is actually not a good – we don't want them to lose money. SoftBank. Well, who who owns Circle? I'm going to say DCG. Uh, partly, but the, the main owner of Circle, who also owns a, a huge chunk of DCG, is Goldman Sachs. Ah, okay. So you have, yeah. So you have the big money, right? Um, let's just see here. Tiger Global and Ontario Teachers First. Ontario Teachers Pension Plan first invested in FTX in December 2019. Look, Ontario Teachers, what does that have written all over it? <laughs> Ontario Teachers Union? Like, really? <laughs> so it's unbelievable. they man. went ahead and invested a lot of money and between those two and a few others, um, they actually, between Tiger Global and Ontario Teachers, initially their investment valued the company at $8 billion. And then after the next couple of uh, top-ups, they ended up helping that company get a $25 billion evaluation, right? Isn't that wonderful? So what, are they, why are, what are they basing their investment on is the real question. Because here's the problem. Um, to put it really simply, FTX went ahead and created uh, Alameda. Uh, or, or, or I don't know if they created Alameda, but there's a strong relationship between them. There may be a chicken and egg thing. I don't know. But Alameda is basically an investment firm that now is like gone. Um, you know, now they're, they're, they're underwater because of this. And because they all had all these, you know, SoftBank, BlackRock, uh, you know, all the names we just named all had exposure to FTT. FTT is FTX's exchange token. Okay. So to put that in perspective, Binance has BNB, right? Now, BNB, they have a smart chain. They have a lot of projects on it. Um, they're very well funded, if you will, very well backed. And their token has actual utility. But FTT's token has no utility. Okay? Like none. So they have a token that basically doesn't do anything. So when a token doesn't do anything, how is it that you can... Um, how is it that you can take a token that does nothing and make it worth a whole bunch of money? Well, I'm going to show you right now. Basically, it's wash trading. Um, we've talked about this a lot here on the channel. Wash trading is when you get uh, two people to kind of keep buying something to create the illusion of volume. And um, that illusion of volume attracts other people to buy it. And then, of course, you have just a small amount of people with what should be not a thinly traded asset, but it ends up acting like a thinly traded asset. 
um, and it just crushes the price up. It, it's something that has a lot of fake liquidity, therefore it has no liquidity. So it doesn't take as many people to crush the price up really high. It's actually just a bunch of algorithms. And this diagram, as you're seeing on the screen, actually describes it. It's a flywheel scheme. So you create the token, you pump the price. That's done by a lot of different ways. It's done by handshakes with big names. Um, it's done with wash trading and things. And then what you do is you mark gains, quote unquote, to the balance sheet. So you have a company that fakes the price of their token, right? And then they call that gains and they put that on their balance sheet. So this company's balance sheet went from 8 billion to like 32 billion. And even in the beginning, before it was 8 billion, a lot of these quote unquote gains are not even real. It's done by fake wash trading, right? But what they did was they put the gains in the balance sheet to say, hey, we're worth, uh, I don't know, $2 billion. And then they show these quote unquote fake gains to investors. And then when these investors see that, oh, wow, this company's equity curve is huge. They, they just, they were, they're gaining in use and there's so much volume on this token. So they raise cash through equity sales or loans. And that's when those big monies came in. Equity sales like the Teachers Union in Ontario and, and uh, Tiger and all those other you know companies that were on that list. And then once they've done that, that token price can be pumped again because, hey, our company is now valued at $8 billion. And then they go ahead and add those gains to their balance sheet and they show the gains to more investors. And it's just a big circle jerk, forgive the term. And then pr pretty soon now you're worth $32 billion. But here's the trick with that. In order to do that, you have to have a lot of capital. And you, anybody who, you know, BlackRock, those big names, they know what this is. They have to know what this is. So when you have all those other companies that put their money in, are they really doing their diligence? Or is it because BlackRock said? You get it? So well, because of BlackRock said. This is... This is the psychological circle jerk. Now, you know, one of the things that you mentioned so eloquently is about this, this idiot kid. And if you look at it right, if you really look at it, I've, I've been looking at this shit for years. And we've also talked about this before prior. You have an overarching theme on this kid. Can you put up a picture of this, this turd? I'm doing it now. Yeah. You got to see this kid. This is a no-experienced kid who has experienced nothing in life. He's a shit for brains. He's been jerked off by his family his entire life. He's, he's never suffered nothing. He knows nothing about the real world, nothing about making money, nothing. Look at this turd. Yeah, that's a perfect one with his, with his titties hanging out. <laughs> Look at him. Boobs. Dude, I'd, I'd grab him by his man boobs and hang out the window. Yeah, I just zoomed it in for now. Anybody watching can actually see the zoom in because there's a and, delay. And here's the symptom. And again, right? You know, I, I looked at this cowboy, and what did I tell you? I told you this reminds me of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what you said. And for those that don't remember, Elizabeth Holmes is a sociopathic liar woman. And I'll, you know, I got I got videos of Elizabeth Holmes. Cowboy, keep your screen there. I'm gonna just pull up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing her up now. Yeah, yeah pull, pull up a video of Elizabeth Holmes just talking. She oh, talks she like, fakes her voice? Yeah, she fakes. We need to do something about blood testing. And, you know, and, and I mean, she dressed like Steve Jobs. She emulated the same hand gestures and movements and, and cadence as Steve Jobs and a lot of things. And she's this 19-year-old dropout and billionaires invested in her. Warren Buffet, right? The, 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 the Oracle of Omaha. He invested in her. 
you had Mad Dog Mattis was on the board of her uh, of her company called Theranos, which is a medical device company. And it turned out it was just another giant vaporware. It's vaporware. Folks, you understand, Silicon Valley, or well, th- there's a reason why the gorilla has been calling Silicon Valley Silicon Valley, okay? Because there's nothing but a bunch of silly cons going on. They're shilling vaporware and ideas and these stupid valuations that are not based on reality. You cannot have, uh, uh, you know, when, you, when you're living in a fictitious fake economy, I think you have it up, right, Cowboy? It's a, Yeah, I actually put the video in our private chat because I don't know how to put the volume on. So that way, if you oh, or sure. CJ bring the video up, you can put the – because I actually did a video where she's – it's yeah, a fake yeah, voice this, comparison. This perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. Here we go. This is a perfect example. This bitch, uh, everything about this girl was so fake, man. It was unbelievable. And nobody saw it. <clears throat> nobody saw it. Here we go. Yeah, I'm Elizabeth Holmes. Sounds like Christian Bale and Batman. <laughs> Harvey Dent. Can we trust him? Trust the science. Over the last 11 years, we've reinvented the traditional laboratory infrastructure. And we talked to our lab team and they said, uh, okay, you can do the drug. Over the last 11 years, Over we've reinvented <laughs> the laboratory infrastructure. And we talked to our lab team. What? Reinvent- Look at her bullshitting too. Traditional laboratory. And the elite, they literally jerked each other off. Literally. Theranos is going to be a multi-trillion dollar company. It's going to be great. Oh, General General Mattis was in on that, wasn't he? Mattis, Buffett, Gates, all the typical morons. So here's the thing they about that. Now, we have to each other off because of this. You got to think about this, okay? So... Gates. Oh, and Henry Kissinger too. That's right. Yeah, Order Kissinger. Thank you for reminding me. Kissinger was there too. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it though, guys like Kissinger. Kissinger's a kingmaker. You yeah. got Kissinger. You got Gates. You have, uh, you know, even Mattis. But you have those kind of people who supposedly are running the world, right? And they're getting fleeced. Big so uh, now, mind you, I mean anybody who is paying attention to the details is going to know that Theranos was a joke, right? I mean, where's the proof of concept? I don't believe they Nothing. ever actually... So, a background on Theranos, they had a special, um, some kind of like this blood testing mechanism that was supposed to be super cheap and very convenient, and you could like do it at home. That was their whole product, if I remember correctly. So, it, it makes me wonder who's really in charge here. I mean, do you really think that there's somebody who like is able to con these people who run the world or is it that these people are not really running the world they're just doing what they're told and then the cons who really run the world are the ones who conned those point men yeah it's it's you know the whole thing is it's like there's a there's a saying it's like um dude it's like there are going to be two types of people those who love a lie and those who make a lie right and literally it's just con men who are conning when you get to the top of these elites these are just guys who are conning each other. These are guys that are lying to each other. These are guys who are so into the game of one of one upsmanship and not being left out, who are all suffering from FOMO and FUD at the same time. They are literally created an environment where all they believe is their own echo chamber. So if one idiot says, 
I'm going to get in on Theranos. It's going to re- revolutionize blah, 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 X, Y, Z, and make blood testing at home faster the whole nine yards. Oh, I want in too, and I want in too. They all got conned for billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Billions of dollars. Oh, yeah. If, uh, as a matter of fact, so here's, uh, you know, here's scam bankrupt fraud sitting there. Sam Bakeman Freed, scam Bakeman fraud, uh, bankrupt fraud. Um, so, you know, I don't know, whatever he's, he, he looks, <laughs> I mean, we'll his Sam testosterone Bank. levels look so low. Look at his test levels. Dude, this guy's not, not a killer, bro. This no, he's not, not a killer. He's not a killer. I've been around killers, right? I've been around financial killers, man. These, this guy, this kid is not it. He's got, ah, but he made the moves of a killer but he made, and that's because for sure. he was backed because he was backed woke capital. And there's a lot of woke capital out there. Mm-hmm. And look, man, it's like it's 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 incredible. This is going to be sending off a chain reaction everywhere uh, throughout the financial realm. It's pretty interesting what's going to happen with FTT, man. Well, OK, so let's look a little deeper and, and we're going to talk about woke a little bit um, just to just to really sum this up and how the valuation of FTT was inflated um, be- above that flywheel scheme that I showed everybody here. Um, it, there's also a description. One, FTX prints FTT out of thin air. Yeah. Two, FTX lends FTT to Alameda Research. Three, Alameda Research borrows USD stables against FTT. Four, Alameda Research sends USD stables to FTX. Repeat, infinite money. So you, it, it, this is also, that if you look at last week's show, where I talk about how the Fed has treasuries and reserves, and then let and create and prints dollars out of thin air and gives to the commercial banks who then can use those dollars to create reserves and print just as many dollars, if not a hundred times that, and, you know, and give to the non-banks and then the non-banks, they have treasuries and cash, right? They may need to invest in something. They may need to be a little more risky to cover their liabilities like a pension does. So what they do is they sell their treasuries back to the fed. Now, the reason that those companies had treasuries in the first place was because of the money that came from the Fed. So then they're going to sell those treasuries to the Fed to get more money. And it's just, it's not any different than what we just saw right here. It starts with FTX and it ends with FTX and they wash it through Alameda. Yep. So it's not any different. It's the private crypto, but it's a centralized situation. It's not, this isn't DeFi. Although DeFi is being affected and we'll talk a little about that. But this is a private version of the scam. And really, honestly, like, there, technically, you can have, quote unquote, fiat money and run an economy in a semi-honest way. Um, the problem is that in the end, the, the uh, leaders are human and humans are corruptible. And when you have the ability to print money out of thin air, you will resort to that. Even It might start off not that way, like, hey, we have an emergency Let's just print a few billion dollars to cover that emergency, and then we'll go ahead and we'll wind that back down when we're done, and we'll we'll be good. We're not we don't mean to do this, but we have the ability, and it's going to save us in an emergency, right? And so it's the easiest way to do things, and it's kind of like it's like borrowing on a credit card when you really don't have to do that. You could just go sell something, you know. It's like it's like you you're short on your car payment. Oh, I'll just borrow money on this credit card, and then but you don't have to do that. You could sell some stuff that you don't need and not have to borrow money and lose money, right? But that's what 
they do. If you have the ability to print out of thin air, you're going to use it. And then you're going to realize, oh, well, we could actually make a lot of money doing this. And then all of a sudden you're justifying what we just saw with this company and what we're seeing with our economy. And the cycle ends when everything falls apart. And what just happened to FTX falling apart, that and all those other companies that I listed in that article before, they're going to take massive hits. Um, and as a matter of fact, let me see if I can find this. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be a wonderful hit against BlackRock. I love it. Another hit. Well, There's going to be other people that are going to definitely get hit, but the one that's going to take the brunt of it. Go ahead, Cowboy. Dude, uh, uh, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunkin got rinsed. Good. Tom Brady's I think an they, idiot. I think they went in. I think they went like all in Good. on FTX. I became like brand ambassadors, um, so you know, stupid. so, but here's an interesting thing about that. I'll, I'm going to throw the, the article This is why he's right playing now. another season of football because he's no, he got hosed. <laughs> dude, he got rinsed. Um, so, uh, dude, you never go all in on everything. You just don't. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I'll give that financial advice, dude. I don't give a shit if I get sued. Never go in on any, on any one thing. You never, never go, go for in. retard, folks. Yeah, there you have it. Um, so like Tom for example, Brady so, goes full so, retard. Tom Brady, dude. Uh, where is this photo of him in here? Damn it. This is like the same freaking article, dude. It's, am I not? Okay. Whatever. Um, there is some, I, I, I sectioned out some, oh, you know where it is. I got it. I, I have my show notes in a particular place and I'm not using that resource. There's a bunch of talk of like Tom Brady and uh, Giselle Bunkin talking about, oh, you know, we can save the planet or whatever, right? So let me bring that that screen up. And look, I'm I he's, think he screwed uh, up in two ways. Okay, first of all, he he married the only Brazilian girl that does not have a rear end. <laughs> <laughs> How do you marry a Brazilian girl that does not have a rear end? Eh, she's Tom Brady did it. Eh, not my cup of tea. She's still pretty. She's pretty hot. Yeah, whatever. It's not my thing. And then, and then he goes all in on FTX. He did. Well, the screen. I brought up the screen. It's not showing up oh, on uh, which one? on Twitch yet. Uh, there it is. So this came. This is a quote from Tom Brady here. And there's a, there's identical, nearly quotes from uh, Giselle. But it says this particular opportunity showed us the importance of educating people about the power of crypto while the simultaneously power of giving. What? Okay. Go ahead, I'm just oh, going. yeah. Uh, about uh, while simultaneously giving back to our communities and the planet, we have the chance to create something really special here and blah, 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 blah. So everything that they're God, saying, oh, bullshit, bro. It's uh, giving back to the, the planet. What? By creating a fake crypto? Like, look, this is why you do your own research before you put your money in anything. And this is hey, why you don't Hobo go agrees all with on me on the, on the Giselle Bunchkin thing. See, thank you, Hobo. What Hobo say? Hobo agrees with me. Oh, yeah. There's definitely better rear ends out there. Ah, for sure. Way better. Like on an average girl. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking that away. I just, I, I like the tall ones, dude. My wife's 5'10". What can I say? Um, so, you know, you got... <laughs> she's, she's almost... Velas is asking. Velas says, is it too early to mention that the whole Kardashian settlement about being a brand ambassador for crypto. I'm not familiar with that, Velas. Um, yeah, the SEC to... settlement with that. Uh, we had to pay out like $2.4 million or something like that. Oh, that's not. It's nothing to her. $2.4 million is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Right. Um, but yeah, so y- you are... <laughs> it's... You're 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 doing some dangerous stuff when you kind of you know hitch your wagon 
to, to the wrong uh to, to the wrong thing and and the reason that it's the wrong deal is because it's a fake wash scheme it's it's a laundry scheme they it basically is. laundered everything you know, and, and didn't, didn't bankman fa- uh, <laughs> scam bankman fraud scam scam bankrupt fraud no scam yeah we'll just call him bankman fraud bankman fraud yeah scam bankman fraud didn't even admit that it, it was a it, his whole entire thing was a, was a Ponzi scheme. He was on video admitting it. Uh, he he actually said uh, like he tweeted today that oh I'm sorry I effed up. And then I'm gonna do, uh, okay who <laughs> I got another one for I got some fun a fun video to play it came from my boy Cool Cat. Um, yeah, but you pull yours up first, and then I'll I'll, I'll send you. The hey, you want I don't me to pull to mine, mine out first? Okay, fine. Yeah, pull yours out first. Show me, show me yours. I'll show you mine. All right, fine. I'll show you mine. Here, let me put this up. So those hormone yeah, my, blockers. Mine's sitting in the uh, private chat for whenever you're ready. Okay. Let me just forward it. This is coffee. Coffee Zilla does a good job at exposing these idiots. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like something you do in World of Warcraft, but. The year is 2022, and the world has changed. Magic internet money is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and yield farming, it's a crypto thing now. So buckle up, educate yourself. This is what it really is. Hang on, let me look this up real quick. Ah, yes. Yield farming is the practice of staking or lending crypto assets in order to generate high returns or rewards in the form of additional cryptocurrency. Now, are you confused yet? Don't be. Because that's the whole purpose of this video. Sam Bankman-Fried, CEO of one of the world's largest crypto exchanges, is here. He appeared on a podcast to explain it to the unwashed masses once and for all. What is a yield farm? But it turns out in the process, he accidentally describes a Ponzi scheme, (laughs) which is just sort of like really funny. One job in situations like this, talking to non-crypto people, is to reassure them this isn't a Ponzi scheme, guys. And instead, just right out of the gate, off rip. He's like, yeah, we just kind of keep putting money into this thing and it just price goes up. Now, as a disclaimer, not all yield farming is a Ponzi scheme. People have been lending money forever and that's technically yield farming. That's not a Ponzi scheme. Now, on the other hand, the point of this video is that what this billionaire crypto CEO is about to describe, (laughs) that is definitely a Ponzi scheme. So, uh, (laughs) This guy's great. I like him. A surprising amount of legitimacy for what farming could mean. You know, listen to where do you start? You start with a company that builds a box. And in practice, this box, they probably dress it up to look like a life-changing, you know, world-altering protocol that's gonna replace all the big banks in 38 days or whatever. <laughs> Maybe for now actually ignore what it does or pretend it does literally nothing. It's just a box. All right. Step one, pause it, pause it. He's a big guy. Listen to this guy. So all you have to do is just oh, I just ignore what it does. Just ignore dude. what it does. Just do him talk. This guy's got a low <laughs> testosterone level, dude. dude. I want to grab him by his man boobs and throw him against a like. I want to fling him it. against a wall as hard it's as I can. Well, race, race all your banks in like thirty-eight days. <laughs> That's what these crypto assholes do, man. I mean, if you, you know how many shitcoin projects cross my desk? Like, what, what, what about this? What are you yeah. doing? Is there a physical thing? Are you actually? Do you have mining equipment? Do you actually? Are you actually a finance? Do you? Does your fucking coin have a function? Yeah, uh, it's going to like uh, have a, a net zero capability by the year twenty thirty, and uh, uh, what it does is it it, it it takes into account the uh, 
invoicing of dung beetles in South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man. And you know what? Assholes, investors, some who are, quote unquote, who we think are so smart. So savvy. So savvy. And they listen to guys like, uh, you know, scam, bankman, fraud. And, uh, and they go nowhere. Like, oh my God, dude. It's unbelievable. He's going to. Red flags here. Yeah. Pretend your life changing and actually do nothing. Okay. Uh, what's step two, Sam? And then this protocol issues a token. We'll call it whatever, X token. And X token promises that anything cool that happens because of this box is going to ultimately be usable by, you know, governance vote of holders of the X tokens. They can vote on what to do with any proceeds or... Again, this is a fuckboy who's done nothing in his life. He's, He's never experienced trauma, hard work. Scraping no. it, he no, he does no idea what the grind is all about, what the hustle is all about, no clue. He's been jerked off by mommy and daddy's entire life. Other cool things that happen from this box, and of course, so far we haven't exactly. Oh, by the way, right now his net worth, right now, cowboy. Do you know what his net worth is right now? Negative. It's negative three hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's screwed. <laughs> he's screwed. Although, roll roll it back a little bit because what he's about to say, I think, is actually going to reveal Ponzi. Okay, here we go. That's good. And of course, so far, we haven't exactly given a compelling reason for why there ever would be any proceeds from this box. But I don't know, you know, maybe maybe there will be. So that's sort of where you start. And now what happens? Well, X token has some market cap, right? It's it's probably not zero. Let's say it's, you know, $20 million market cap. Okay, step two, make a $20 million market cap from nothing. And and Cabo, you just... You you just explained the whole pinwheel method of how they create Mm -hmm. this artificial market cap. And here he is, Sam, admitting all this crap on video. He's not smart, man. He's not smart. Nah, listen to him talk. Like, I'm sure he's more intelligent than the average person because the average person's IQ is 100. You know what George Carlin says? He says uh, something along the lines of like, the average IQ is 100. Now remember, everybody, half of everybody is dumber than that. (laughs) <laughs> he's probably like 100 you know 102 oh. this guy he's not no the, big listen deal to guys. Him talk yeah. guys it's crypto now the, the interviewer this guy matt levine sort of picks up on the insanity of this he's like this serious investment banker guy you have to imagine and he's like look no it can't be worth nothing you you can't do this and sam bankman fried's like the hell i can't from like first principles it should be zero but okay <laughs> Uh, sure. Okay. I, I... Why does a guy who's who's interviewing him sound like Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond? <laughs> Hello, Raymond. Raymond. Ah! Oh, Raymond. Well, why are you being so mean to me, Raymond? No, that sounds gay, dude. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, Raymond. That's <laughs> I completely reasonable comments. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, like that's not quite true, but it's like See, he sounds like Robert from Everybody Was Raymond. But it's like it's not true, but it's like that's not true, Raymond. I, I sound like I perpetually have a cold. <laughs> when you describe it in this totally cynical way, it sounds like it's I true. swear it's Robert Garrett. It's Robert. It really He's is. talking to Robert Garrett from Everybody Was Raymond, who played Rob. <laughs> 
Describe it this way. You might think, for instance, that in like five minutes with an internet connection, you could create such a box and such a token and that it should reflect like, you know, it should be worth like $180 or something market cap. He's literally making stuff up as he goes along. For like that, you know, that effort that you put into it. In the world that we're in, if you do this, everyone's going to be like, ooh, box token. Maybe it's cool. If you buy a box token, you know, that's going to appear on Twitter and I'll have a $20 million market cap. All right. He just red flag three. Huh? He just admits it. He just admits it. He just admits it. Like, oh, you have the, you know, this box. And then like this cool, you know, you tell people that it does cool things. And then, uh, and then it appears on Twitter and all of a sudden people buy it. Like he's literally talking about Ponzi. Yeah. This guy, uh, and CoffeeZilla, I like him so far. I've never heard of him. Oh, his channel's great. He, he, he's busted a lot of these scams. Like it's unbelievable. He's, He's hilarious, dude. Coffeezilla is hilarious. These guys talking together. So you have something in this little box, and uh, and oh, I don't know. I really shouldn't. Be. <laughs> what I don't here? know, baby. Ma, ma. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a podcast. This this no nothing millennial who's who's been on like the Ivy League teat his entire life is mm-hmm. talking to. Ray of Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond, and he's explaining to him verbatim that what he's doing is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, he's admitting it. Like, dude, when he when uh when Sam Bankman Fraud goes to trial, yeah. they should use this video they so that should. they just say hey, I, you, you I, confessed. I would not doubt that they will they will they'll be using this video. My man just said. Maybe in your world, a box that does nothing can't be worth $20 million, but in my world, $20 million minimum. And this is sort of where things go full Ponzi, full, we don't even try to hide it. <laughs> money goes up because more money goes in and more money's going in because money goes up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, X tokens being given out each day, all these like sophisticated firms are like, huh, that's interesting. Like if the total amount of money in the box is $100 million, then it's going to yield $16 million this year in X tokens being given out for it. That's a 16% return. That's pretty good. We'll put a little bit more in, right? And and, and maybe that, that happens until there are $200 million in the box. So, you know, sophisticated traders and or people on crypto Twitter or, or other sort of similar parties go and, and put $200 million in the box collectively, and they start getting these X tokens for it, right? And now all of a sudden, everyone's like, wow, People just decide to put two hundred million dollars in the box. This is a pretty cool box, right? Like <laughs> this. This is a valuable box, as mm-hmm. demonstrated by all the money that people have apparently decided should be in the box. And for we to say that they're wrong about that, like you know, this is. I. I mean, boxes can be great. Look, I love boxes as much as the next guy, <laughs> right? And, and so, so that's hey. Cut what it, happens man. now? All of a sudden, cut people it. are kind of. So check it out. Uh, Dude, we, we get hilarious. it. Right? He's made it very obvious. Go over to the, the Twitter that I'd put in the uh, private chat. Yeah. And this is going to be now in order to know why this is funny, because it's hilarious. You guys have to know what BitConnect is. Oh, my was. God. <laughs> you know ah, yeah. Right? Oh, you my God. Bit? Yes. So and, and before you bring up that, because I can't do sound for I don't know how yet. We'll talk about how to do it later. But actually, don't life. bring up that link. Let me see if I can find the original uh, BitConnect guy. Oh, scary. Yeah, pa- pause this. Pause this. Pause that. Pause it. Pause it. So let me see. There's this like, this, these guys were in 
Anarchapulco. Oh, um, God. And this guy, like, the, he was just heading up BitConnect. The, um, first show this one, V, I'm going to put it in the private right now. Paste. So you can, you know, you can hear who this guy is. This is the hype man for BitConnect, right? So I just put it in the private right now. Play, <laughs> play this one first. And then play the the, the Bankman Frog. Uh, all right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> and you still, yeah. Uh, yep. Here we go. Let me, let me get this. Uh... Lined up. Just a YouTube link. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. You gotta put volume. I know. I well, here we go. Ready? This guy. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. This freaking guy. What's up? No, no, no. <laughs> wow. God help us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, let, let's just analyze that for a second, right? You, your investment shouldn't require that. <laughs> you don't need a hype man like a rap group. You, this guy, yeah, but expand that screen, like hit, hit the little expand arrow, and then play this one. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been laughing too hard. BitConnect was a huge scam. It was a Ponzi scheme. People lost up millions of dollars. Yep. Never got it back. Here we go. Sam, so this year you announced that you plan to give up $2 billion to high-impact uh, causes that will help humanity. How did you arrive at this amount of money and these causes that are and what measurable change do you hope that this money will make? I love that. I love so, that. Dude, Look, that's killer. Me. That's a hat tip to my man, Cool Cat, on that one. That was so good. American universities and Ivy Leagues are a joke these days. It really is. It really well, It's such a joke, man. This Look is, at the real movers and shakers. They're all dropouts. They're all dropouts. And, and here's Because they, the they're wasted. Uh, who was that guy who ended up supposedly hanging himself? Um, the guy who helped create RSS feeds, Adam. What was it? Oh, uh, um, hold on. I'll look it up. Everybody, uh, Adam. No, is it Adam? Okay, so we'll we'll come back to whoever he is because it's actually a really sad deal. This young man was 13 years old, and uh, he caught notice because he was helping to develop. Somebody in the in the comments, give me his name if you can. But he was oh Aaron Schwartz. Aaron Schwartz. Aaron yeah. Schwartz. That's the guy from Yeah. Reddit, so right? Aaron Schwartz was like he was this thirteen year old kid, and he was helping to code RSS feeds, mm -hmm. and basically nobody knew his age. And so these big heads were like, hey, you know, why don't you come work with us and talk to us? And he went to go meet him, and they're like, you're a kid. This guy was somebody who believed in a freedom of information, yeah. and uh, he actually ended up like 
um, developing a software to where he was downloading from like, you know, the, and, and again, I'm not, I'm sorry. I wasn't ready to talk about this because I don't know the terms properly, but I think it was uh, maybe MIT uh, might've been uh, a law school or something, but basically it's all these like legal files that show a lot of what's happened you know, legally. And a lot of them are sort of like being like disappearing over time. Yeah. That was from um, MIT. It was in MIT. And so what he was doing was you had, it, it was put behind a paywall and he didn't like that. So, um, okay. Hobo. We'll, we'll look into that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so was, he was downloading a bunch of, uh, he actually took his backpack with like a hard drive and he broke into like where the servers were <laughs> and he was downloading all their stuff. So it could be given out for free. Um, and then he got sued for it and uh, he was basically like not backing down and they were ruining his life and he ended up being hung. Oh. And Hobo says that he found an Epstein connection through at MIT. So yeah, there's, there, there, there's a few links with that as well. I've, I've heard about it. That whole uh, Epstein's just one of the things, man. There's a lot of shit that that kid uncovered there. It's, it's all corrupt, man. It's, it's, so, it's all sickening. So yeah, I, I'm I'm so sick of it. Look, let's be honest. You know, I was just you know looking back and and into this whole election thing as well. I'm just like, dude, ten years. We all know this country's not going to be here. It, it's just mm-hmm. it's just not going to be here. It's just not. It's over, man. Oh, it might have you the know? same name. Yeah, it might. It might have the same the, name. Maybe, maybe well, I'm the be, point. There might be two regions. You know, before we get too far, um, the point with Aaron Schwartz was that he was a genius. And yeah. so he certified. went and they certified. Yeah, he, he went to I think it was Harvard and he it was a waste of his time. Yeah, he dropped out because yeah. it's, you know, when you are somebody with a real IQ, yep. you don't sit there for four years at Harvard and, you know, learn gender studies like you get out and you work. <clears throat> right. You know, so that's, or, that um, you know, take the. uh the extracurricular course that they offer in Harvard uh, called What What in the Butt. That's a yeah, top that's, level course there. Well, yeah, that's like uh, internationally, you know, valuable. Like you're, you're, you know, one of the <laughs> a perfect example of how our nation does everything wrong. Well, not everything, but <clears throat> one of the many things is okay. So when you lend money to somebody, you're going to qualify them to be sure that you're going to get your money back and then some, right? Well, student loans should work that way. That's really the name of the course. What, what in the butt? Anal sex yeah. 101. Jeez, yeah. dude. I thought, I thought you just called it that. Mm, no, no. It's what, what in the butt? So when you loan <laughs> hey, money. People don't believe me until I pull it up. You qualify your potential borrowers to make sure that they have the financial capability to return that money back. Very simple concept. We all know it. Don't need to get into it. But the student loan situation is that you're lending these kids $70,000, $100,000 to go learn gender studies. You know, that when I was in school, you know, many, at least a couple decades ago, they were calling it uh, human sexuality, you know, but it's, you know, now they've gone ahead and went ahead and gone full blown left hard on it. So when you get a gender studies degree, how are you going to use that? to get a job to pay that money back. That's what I want to know because that's a bad investment. And if you're taking our tax dollars and you're lending it to these kids so that they can have a loan that they'll never be able to pay back. That is, I mean, the student loan bubble is I think like a trillion and a half dollars now. It's no joke. 
And one of the reasons that they're doing it is because they're giving people, you know, a few years of an average person's salary so they could go be indoctrinated. That's, that's what I, that's my theory. So it's just, you know, yeah. Is our country going to be here? Not as long as we have financial practices as such. No, not going to happen. Not in a few. I think that we see, uh, I think we see the market for one last hurrah. They might even extend the, you know, the rally for a while, but I think by 2030, it's it, the, the, the shell game is going to fall apart. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, 100% because it's going to happen because you can't have a population this crazy, this dumb, this ignorant, this untoward. And it's unbelievable, man. Well, there's one solution and um, I don't want to use the term final, but there is one solution. And if you have a, a population that's over, over um, represented by people with no skills, then there's one thing you can do with them. I, I like Gus's solution where you take uh, far left and nut jobs uh, gender study professors, purple hair, beaver, beaver bumpers, and we just throw them into volcanoes. Well, I mean, they've done it to themselves. I, I, I would never uh, personally. I, I don't. I think the right to life is there. I don't think anybody, no matter how stupid, should be killed. I I don't support that. You don't support um, volcanoes. No. What I'm trying to get here, get to you, get out here, is that I'm not somebody who says we should do that. But I think it's happening anyway. Uh, let's just say that. I don't know. Now I'm not saying this really happened. I'm just saying hypothetically, um, you just create some kind of a medicine that's not really medicine, and you convince a huge swath of the population to take it, and it actually ends up shortening your lifespan. Yeah, the jibby jab. Yep. Look, <clears throat> in terms of the volcano, I like I like to quote the great Chris Rock before Chris Rock became what he is today, but the original Chris Rock who had like the best comedy. He's talking about O.J. Simpson, the whole O.J. trial. And the whole Nicole Brown Simpson, the whole murder thing, the whatnot. And there's a poignant line where the comedian Chris Rock says, you know, he says, I'm not saying that he should have killed her, but I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> just it. This like old Jake coming out there and he's, you know, he's seeing Ron Brown driving around, uh, you know, his in, in, in his portion. The guy's at his house. He's with his woman. Now, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, dude, Chris Rock, man. That, I'm telling you, one of the, oh, one of the funniest men alive. Dude, I, one, he, yeah, he really is. He really I, mean, is. Under, I don't want to say he's underrated. Uh, you know, I think he kind of went down a path that has not been good for him. But, dude, Chris Rock, 20 years ago, holy moly. Yeah. Unstoppable. 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 So we'll get to the we'll get into the BIS. Uh, there's just and we were on YouTube the entire time. CJ, yeah, are you there? Does CJ fall asleep from tequila? Nope, I'm here. I'm We've here. been on oh, YouTube here. this entire time, Siege. I think it's been fine. I don't think there's been anything that we've said. Oh yeah, we didn't, Cowboys didn't say yeah. anything controversial. Yeah, I, don't I didn't. Say I'm worried about me saying something controversial. Right, right. That's what I'm worried about. Now that I put up Harvard's what what in the bud, that could offend people. <laughs> I don't know. It shouldn't talk. offend. If you're offended by uh, Harvard's what what in the butt class, then you're a, a toxic masculine racist. You should not be offended by that. You should be aroused by that. Maybe you should go take what what in the butt if you're offended by it. Dude, there's an article where, um, like in the UK, there's a whole huge rise in the rates of uh, people coming in with like anal injuries. Of course, prolapse sphincters, the whole nine yards. It's 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 insanity, insanity, yeah. insanity. I'm like a New Zealander. 
Medical. 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 Skeletal. Insanity. Skeletal. Skeletal. Insanity. I was going out back and uh, I built myself a new dick. And I was out <laughs> washing my dick in the back. And I looked I look next door and my neighbor's dick is a little bit smaller than mine. So I asked him, so, hey, look, my dick is a lot bigger. I mean, if you were to come over here and stand on my dick, you would see. And I'm going to go ahead and paint my dick blue. <laughs> and that's how they say dick, is dick. It's a dick. And they say skeletal. Are you building a dick? What kind of dick are you building, mate? <laughs> I'm going to reinforce oh. my dick. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to put, I'm going to go ahead and put a hammock on my dick. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. Small animals can find shade underneath my dick. <laughs> I think I think I've got a few squirrels living under my dick. <laughs> oh my god, folks! Hell of a day today, cowboy. Thank you for coming on. Uh, next week, uh, we'll definitely want to touch base on interest rates. There's a question about that. We'll get into that uh, de- uh, next week. See where it goes. Uh, where it goes. I'm starting to sound like John Federer. election. Fetterman Biden, twenty twenty four. Let's bring it. I want to see that, bro. That's get rid of Kamala Harris. I want John Fetterman, Joe Biden, twenty twenty four. Love it, love it. Anyway, guys, thank you all for listening in. He is the cowboy. He is the producer, and I'm just a hairy ape. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. <laughs>